0: Prepare to hear the truth from a real whistleblower, an American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is a supplemental, a supplemental mm, episode, because as I am reading through some documents that I was given by the FBI, uh, I could not help but just laugh about how ridiculous what I have in front of me is. I'm going to be reading some things pretty much verbatim because I think their own words are um, as good as anything else. And uh, I want to set this up for you. So I filed what's called an equal opportunity employment complaint. I alleged uh, religious discrimination, although they didn't document that. They called it just physical disabilities discrimination. Here's the, here's the substance of what I argued. What I said was, is that um, treating me differently than people who had gotten a COVID vaccine shot. And this is, by the way, this was advised by our attorneys, treating me materially differently than people who had gotten the COVID-19 shots was effectively discrimination because they were treating me as though I was in imminent danger or I had already contracted a, um, an infectious disease. And there's a, uh, a Supreme Court case, I believe it is, that, that actually says, and I, I'm pretty confident based on the timeframe that it was based on uh, like an AIDS case. Uh, But what it says is essentially that if you treat somebody materially differently because they have an infectious disease, then that is discriminatory. So it is covered under EEO law. So you are actually, uh, that's a physical disability. And so the discrimination for infectious disease falls under disability. So that was the argument we made. Um, The scenario set up was that in September, I want to say, in September, federal government pushed down this executive order from Joe Biden's office stating um, and it was 14043, which required everybody to get a covid vaccine shot. And then after that, um, the FBI concocted like all these Hairbrained ideas, and one of them they uh, created on their own, and then it was subsequently added to the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force, which was the federal entity that uh, Fauci was a part of, if you recall. And it essentially like laid out like what was the safest way that federal employees could go to work, and what did they have to do, and you know if you didn't get the shots, what were you gonna, how were they gonna do it? And so the FBI made up their own testing policy. That's part one. And then they eventually moved into sort of compliance with what the, uh, the the task force had, but it's worth noting that there is such a thing as FBI policy, and it is a legal statute that or a legal uh, a legal route that uh, they have to follow in order to get something approved as quote unquote policy. Like that word has a specific meaning, and in order to do that, there's like every other federal rule or law that, uh, that you know that is proposed by an agency. I guess it's not a, a law per se. I guess like any federal rule or um, uh, regulations that they can put out, they have to have a comment section. Uh, they have to have a time when they can be commented on by what they call stakeholders. So that's going to be people affected by said rule or said policy, and um, and so that didn't happen. Nothing happened like that regarding COVID stuff. They just uh, they just sent out these emails that came under a group, and and when we queried the FBI's policy library, which I think you can actually find at FBI policy. It's just FBI policy at FBI.gov. When we emailed them, we got back a statement essentially saying that the FBI can make you do a bunch of things that are not policy because uh, they feel like it. And also they have other authorities, as we like to say in the intelligence world, NFI, no further information about what those authorities are, or why they have them. Um, They stated that uh, the FBI director can force you to take a test in order to stay in your job um, as part of the authorities that are vested in the office of being the FBI director That sounds crazy. I don't think that would hold up to scrutiny, but so be it. That was the argument. And so they also acknowledged openly in emails that there were absolutely no policies regarding COVID-19 compliance of any kind, like nothing, not the, um, not the EEO, I'm sorry, not the executive order not anything. It just like, they didn't write any policy. So that's fun. So with that being the case, um, I'm going to share with you some stuff that I think is pretty wild. And I'm going to read a lot of it verbatim, because like I said, I think it's really funny. And where there's acronyms, I'll try to spell them out. But I think they actually do, because it's an FBI document. That's how we do things. So uh, without further ado, I will just uh, transition over here. This is all part of the we're not guilty of anything uh, emails that I've been getting. And so I'm working through the the documents on here. This is an unclassified document. And as you'll see right there, it's for official use uh, only, which you'll see at the bottom of the page. And so let's launch into this. This is an unclassified for official use document that was given to me by the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, with routine precedence. It's from the Human Resources Division, and it is written to the Albuquerque, which is abbreviated AQ Field Office, the Las Cruces Criminal Squad, LC2. That was my my place of work. And it's dated to February. Um, And then I don't know why it's approved by... um, I have no idea why it's approved by somebody who is... Oh, I'm sorry. It's written by the Albuquerque field office. It's from there. Yeah. And it's to the human resource department. So it's written by my former SAC, the special agent in charge of the Albuquerque division, Raul Buhanda. There's his name right there under the approved by. And then um, also by Eric Brown, senior, who was the ASAC. So that's the GS-15 and the SES. Those are the two top people that were in my sort of chain of command or chain of management in the Albuquerque division, written by my boss, Richard Perkins, who I don't really have any problems with, um, other than he wrote this, which is pretty weak. So here's the title. Kyle Matthew Seraphin. that's me, special agent, abbreviated SA, GS-13, that's the full tenured position for a five-plus-year agent, uh, efficiency of service recommendation, removal due to excess absences, or removal due to absence without leave, which is AWOL. The synopsis is, the Albuquerque Division requests Mr. Kyle Matthew Serafin be removed from the roles of the FBI due to his AWOL. Details. Due to excessive AWOL, the Albuquerque Field Office requests assistance from Human Resources Division, abbreviated HRD, in the removal of Mr. Serafin from the roles of the FBI. Background information. So here we go. Mr. Serafin entered on duty June 26, 2016 and was assigned as a special agent to the Washington field office on November 27th, 2016. This is good. It's like my whole history right here. Uh, Mr. Serafin worked for the Washington field office until June 20th of 2021, when he was reassigned to the Albuquerque field office, Las Cruces resident agency, uh, where he is currently assigned. Mr. Serafin refused to comply with the testing of unvaccinated individuals required by the FBI policy, per FBI's COVID testing policy sent to all employees on November 19th, 2021. Once again, that wasn't a policy. That's made up. The FBI submitted, uh, sorry, the Mr. Serafin submitted a reasonable accommodation request for exception to the FBI's COVID testing requirements for unvaccinated individuals, which was denied on December 15th, 2021 via a letter from HRD Deputy Assistant Director, the DAD, Spencer L. Evans. Which was dated on December 10th. Mr. Serafin continues to refuse to comply with the mandatory testing for individuals who have not received the COVID vaccine. On August 13th, 2021, Assistant Director—I'm uh, sorry, Assistant Attorney General for Administration, Lee Loftus. This is the guy that sent out all this stuff. Sent a memo to all DOJ. I'm, I'm paraphrasing and moving fast here because this stuff's kind of boring. Uh, which was forwarded to all FBI employees on August 16th. It stated in part: "Quote those." who are not yet fully vaccinated or decline to respond will be required to comply with the Center for Disease Control and Department guidance for unvaccinated individuals and this will include a mandatory mask wearing physical distancing submitting to weekly or biweekly COVID-19 tests demonstrating negative test results prior to entering department buildings or participating in official events at other locations and adhering to applicable travel restrictions and protocols. So let's address this for just one second as well. Um, there was no physical distancing required in my office. That was skipped. There was no mask wearing in my office. I didn't ever wear a mask in Las Cruces that I'm aware of, pretty sure. I can't think of any time that I would have and I can't think of anybody else that was doing it on my squad except this one lady who's sat in the corner who was one of the Covidians and scared that she could die at any moment. Uh, and she was really, she once told me that she was really glad that her daughter didn't have any children because she didn't want children being brought up in the world because it's so scary. So that's weird. So anyway, so they just kind of piecemealed this stuff. Uh, let's go to the next paragraph here. The FBI followed up with an email to all employees on November 19th. And this email stated that all employees who are not fully vaccinated must one wear a face mask covering or a face covering at all times while on duty indoors, except when alone in an office. Or when eating or drinking at least eight feet from other people. I don't know why that's eight feet. Um, By the way, I was always eating or drinking because I had a a water cup with me. I'm pretty sure that's what I told people, Uh, which is true. Uh, You should always hydrate when you live in the desert. Number two, maintain a six-foot distance from all others at all times, unless operationally infeasible. In which case, the six-foot distance is irrelevant, apparently, because... Um, when is it operationally infeasible? That's just made up. And number three, provide proof of a negative COVID-19 test that was taken within 72 hours of being on duty. Every 72 hours, you need to have a fresh COVID-19, not a test, but results from the test. Um, so that's what you need to have uploaded into their system. The email advised... This is going back to the to the policy here or this um, this document, the email advised that any unvaccinated employee who fails to follow the safety protocols protocols will be sent home and considered a wall, which was a new thing for most federal employees. They didn't know that was a real thing. Um, I'm not confident that it makes any sense. It's going to get more fun. Further, the FBI followed up with an email to all employees on December 10th. I was out of the office by this point, but I got it on my phone. This email updated the testing mandate for unvaccinated employees to state that employees who have not attested to being fully vaccinated must upload results uh, of a negative COVID-19 test taken within seven days before reporting for duty. So now we've moved it to a week. Why? Why was that? Why did it take 20 days and then they moved it? Oh, because Jensaki said that um, people thought that a week was reasonable. That's why. That's the science. However, AWOL charged according to the earlier standards for testing would remain on the employee's record as the employee failed to follow the testing rules at the time of the AWOL being charged. Cool. Uh, let's move on. Let's see. Next page here. On January 8th, 2022. So that was January of last year. Mr. Serafin was presented with a formal counseling letter stating that he failed to upload a negative COVID-19 test. The letter stated Mr. Serafin would be charged a wall until Mr. Serafin uploads a negative test result into MyMedLink. That was the portal the FBI created, MyMedLink. Since this time and Mr S- Since this time and Mr. Serafin has still not complied. I don't know what that. We have some sort of a typo here. Mr. Serafin has still not complied with uploading a negative test into MyMedLink. Uh, I never did not once never did i do that although mr seraphin has contacted his supervisor and advised on multiple occasions that he is ready willing and able to report to work he is unwilling to comply with the mandatory testing requirements for unvaccinated employees you'll see my email shortly which explains exactly why i think it's pretty straightforward on november 30th in 2021 in substance and in part mr seraphin wrote in an email to the albuquerque asac eric brown and to the SAC. um oh, I'm sorry, and to his supervisor, Supervisory Special Agent Richard Perkins, quote, to be clear up front, I will not be testing for COVID unless I demonstrate symptoms. This is a non-negotiable point with me, end quote. Yeah, I said that. On (laughs) January 9th, in substance and in part, Mr. Serafin wrote in an email to the special agent in charge, that's Raul Bahanda, ASAC Brown, and SSA Perkins, quote, I will not be testing for COVID unless I demonstrate symptoms. This is a this is not a negotiable position, and as I stated in my request for religious accommodation, they said exemption. So maybe I said that the request violates multiple sincerely held beliefs. Period. End of quote. Since January 18th of 22, Mr. Serafin is not reported to work due to failure to provide a negative COVID-19 test per the FBI's COVID testing policy. Uh, since this time, Mr. Seraphin has been charged a wall daily. Yeah. Okay. On January 21st of last year, Mr. Serafin reached 40 hours of AWOL. Um, I'm not sure how their math worked on that. I guess that's just one week. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Mr. Serafin's first eight hours of AWOL occurred, this is the best part, on January 7th, 2022, when he attended firearms training with the Las Cruces Resident Agency and Roswell Resident Agency at the White Sands Missile Range, but failed to provide a negative COVID-19 test. I want you to understand what they just said. They gave me eight hours of AWOL for showing up to do training and work at White Sands Missile Range, which is outdoors in the desert, in the middle of nowhere. Look at a map. It's it's wild. All right. So, um, since he reported to a government installation to attend FBI-sanctioned training after not having taken a COVID-19 test and uploading the results into my MedLink. SSA Perkins canceled Mr. Serafin's approved leave for that day and placed Mr. Serafin in AWOL status. I'm going to repeat that part. I was approved for leave on that day, and they were going to pay me for leave until I showed up for work, and then they docked me pay for being at work. Does that make any sense? I'm fairly confident this is all illegal. Of course, this is not discriminatory. Remember, the results of this particular finding was no discrimination against Mr. Serafin. You can take it to a judge, but we don't think it's there. Cool. All right. So... Mr. Serafin had pre-approved leave, annual leave on January 10th through the 14th. And on the 18th, what they did is they actually sent me emails saying, um, you here, you know, your leave is canceled from here on out. And then they sent me a, uh, retraction email saying, Hey, sorry about that. Actually, because you were already approved, we don't want it to make it look like we're discriminating against you when we discriminate. So we're going to allow you to continue to take leave except on the day when you showed up for work, which we're going to, we're going to just dock you $500 pay, um, and so, yes, you are now off leave as soon as your leave is expired or whatever it is, like whenever your um, pre-approved leave is gone. On January 18th, this is fun too, Mr. Seraphin arrived at the Las Cruces resident agency for work. Again, not having taken a COVID-19 test and uploading the results into MyMedLink. SSA Perkins sent Special Agent Seraphin home and advised Special Agent Seraphin that he was in AWOL status until reporting to work after t- having taken a COVID-19 test and uploading the results into my MyMedLink. Mr. Serafin again advised that he had no intentions of taking a COVID-19 test unless he was symptomatic for the virus. And Mr. Serafin has been AWOL in that status since that time. Um, so this was written on February 2nd. So that was only like two weeks earlier. At the conclusion of the workday on January 21st, 2022, Mr. Serafin amassed 40 hours of AWOL. So what they had advised earlier on that if you had 40 hours of AWOL, they could begin progressive disciplinary status. What's funny is this is the first time I've ever seen this letter and they didn't pursue anything because I went back into the office on March 4th. So after all this nonsense, I actually went back into the office. If you can imagine walking into the lion's den that I did there. Uh, let's go on to the next page. Do, 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 do. Um, yeah. 40 hours of AWOL. Well, okay, I lost my spot. Sorry. Aha, yes. Uh, The Bureau's hardship realized by absence is this section. Due to Mr. Serafin's excessive absences, the lack of funding for an additional personnel, and the inability of the Albuquerque office to fill the position, because I was holding it, obviously, um, and I was able to work, but they wouldn't let me. Uh, uh, Other squad employees have been assigned to perform his duties in his absence. Mr. Serafin was primarily assigned to the Indian Country Special Agent, they should say role here for the mescalero apache reservation in this capacity mr seraphim was in an on-call status in a one in three rotation for one week increments in other words i was on for one week then i was off for two weeks and then i'd be on for a week again and whatever came in through the uh through the major crimes of the um, bureau of indian affairs that was my investigations since november 30th in tw- of 2021 this role has been filled by another special agent which is added to their caseload and detracted from their current cases Um, I think it should be his or hers. Just saying other essential squad functions, such as prisoner transports, arrest and search operations, surveillance operations, and guardian responses have also suffered. Yeah, for sure. So I was something like, um, one of the six or one of the seven agents assigned to the criminal squads there. I want to say that there were six, but there may have been as many as seven or eight counties. We were responsible for the entire Southern part of New Mexico going from the Arizona border all the way over, uh, till you got to Otero County. Uh, which is where Coy Griffin, the Cowboys for uh, Trump, was out of. Um, like, it's a huge space. It takes you like eight hours to drive it across, or six hours, you know, depending on how you hit it. Uh, it's it's really really wide. It's a big swath of uh, American, you know, open territory. So yeah, I'm sure it was a pummer. <laughs> like when you lose one of your people. Uh, all right, so Mr. Serafin's current level of unauthorized absences hinders the squad's efforts to meet the goals and objectives established by executive management. Obviously, they could have just fixed that by just telling me that I could go to work, but that wasn't their thing. This was all about compliance. This position used uh, to its full potential is essential to the unencumbered success of the Albuquerque field office, the AQ's Indian country program and the Las Cruces RA's criminal program and any programs in need of an individual with the expertise his position provides. Uh, The result has an impact. The result has had an impact on the Las Cruces RA. All right. Has had, I don't like that construction conclusion. Mr. Serafin's AWOL, the Albuquerque division, Las Cruces RA admission, has been uh, working with fewer resources and has created a hardship on the RA. The RA is the resident HC. Okay, so this this is where it gets really funny for me. Um, So that was on February 2nd. Then there's this email thread here that you're going to be able to see and this is the performance appraisal unit these are the people that would try to fire you for failing your performance um they're going back and forth because they're trying to figure out what the hell to do with me and uh, this woman kathleen uh goodrich is whatever she's like the administrative officer i don't know what that is but um i'm they do administrative stuff i guess so whatever now we get to the email that i actually sent and this was to my supervisor and I sent it to Eric Brown, the ASAC, and I sent it to Rahul Buhanda. And I also sent it to the headquarters division at the performance appraisal unit. So this is kind of fun. I just get, I just CC them all. I'm going to read it in its entirety because uh, it pretty much said exactly how I felt at the time on February 21st. Mind you in two weeks from that day, give or take in two weeks, maybe like two weeks in a day, um, I went back into work. February is a short month, isn't it? No. So I went back in, yeah, two weeks two weeks, I'm back in there. So here we go. Hey, headquarters, division three, PAU. Apparently you folks are responsible for investigating and enforcing disciplinary standards for employees who refuse to consent to unnecessary and illogical medical procedures. As such, I'm hopeful that you have some answers for me. So I've been out of the office for weeks at this point. The management above has listed me as AWOL, which is a curious place to be Which is a curious status to be placed in when someone shows up to work, ready, able, and willing. Or I said uh, ready, willing, and able. But I also signed up to work for an agency that had integrity, scruples, and rigid obedience to the Constitution. Being told to leave work and then being marked absent is almost as ridiculous as showing up to a training event with the SSRA, that's the uh, supervisory or the senior supervisory resident agent, I think, that whoever that is, that's the top guy in my little office, uh, of the resident agency being present, and then being marked AWOL despite completing training and being on approved leave. This is my whole point that they uh, were probably violating federal employment law. Since the FBI seems to be making it up as they go, I've attached the guidelines from the safer federal workforce task force, which you all are theoretically beholden to. I know we, um, I know we all know federal law states that one must consent to an emergency authorization use test. This is the EAU tests that are, um, all of them are still under those, those terms. Like nobody got an FDA approval. So I shouldn't expect plain English to hold the same meaning to us common folks as the bureaucratic mental gymnast at DOJ, but here it goes, quote, if the agency bars the employee from the workplace and the nature of the employee's work does not allow for it to be performed outside of the workplace, the employee must be placed on paid paid administrative leave until the question of disciplinary action is resolved, not initiated, by the way, resolved. And there was no employee disciplinary action. So I continue the email. That sounds like the White House authorized the word "must" in quotes, not "can" or "may." There's a legal distinction, by the way, between uh, "must," "can," or "may." Those are all sort of things like whether they they are compelled to do so, or whether they have an option, or whether it's, you know, um, yeah, at their discretion, and so on. All right. Continuing, it also states that the employee must receive notification of disciplinary action. Thus far, I have not been given notice. I have filed a formal EEO complaint and addendums, which are being considered. And I have found out that one of my squad mates, who has a pending religious exemption to the executive order for COVID shots, attended the same range day that I did and had not submitted a COVID test in weeks. Uh Uh-oh. That's true, by the way. I don't want to name him. It's not necessary, but he was my squad mate, and he had the same tenure as me. He was a little bit behind me at the academy, and so we had about the same amount of time in the bureau, and he'd been at that office for five years. He said he hadn't tested in weeks. I'm sure that was true. I helped him fill out his religious accommodation request, so I know he put one in. We discussed it at length, and then he just stopped taking, and nothing happened to him. No paycheck removed. He did get told afterward, this email, I think, that he had to start testing again for like a day, and then... They dropped the policy. Um, all right. So, so we have that. So uh continuing here. Uh, he didn't lose any pay. He wasn't placed on AWOL. That seems like a pretty obvious demonstration of discriminatory treatment. That's the whole point of what this uh, EEO complaint is about, by the way. It certainly looks like an arbitrary and or capricious standard, not just in the same division, but within the same squad. You literally can't get more compared. He is a white Christian male on my squad. Like there's only, like I said, maybe seven Tops, there were eight agents there, and uh, two of us didn't get the shots. One of us had our paycheck removed. Neither of us had tested. Uh-oh. That seems like a real problem, you would think. Continuing on the email. It also doesn't look good when the DAD of HRD, that's the Deputy Assistant Director of Human Resources Division, denies my religious accommodation request by agreeing with a findings letter dated four days after he made his decision. Oops. Oops. So either Mr. Evans is a prophet or his boilerplate letter deniling, denying my individual request was a foregone conclusion. Even worse, my religious accommodation request denial was sent out without my name on it and or specifying if I had sought a religious or a medical accommodation. Talk about lazy. Unfortunately, the law requires that each religious accommodation request be evaluated individually in consultation with the the individual and the individual's manager based on the specifics of that individual's work environment and duties. A blanket predetermined denial is not an option. You have to go through the motions. You aren't even supposed to predate the denial. It really tips your hand. One would think an organization tasked with law enforcement would have a better idea of procedure. Uh, So I'm just poking shots obviously at the DAD here. But, um, what that tells me is that, uh, maybe he was not very good at casework because that's just a basic, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's sort of situation. Really? You sent something out without somebody's name on it. Like what a joke these people are. Um, all right. It doesn't look good when the DAD of HR Oh, yeah. Sorry. I moved on past there. Talk about lazy. Uh, One would think that. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. We're continuing. So I'm waiting for someone to make some decisions. In the meantime, since the FBI isn't following the White House task force guidance, who do I need to talk to about outside employment? When the paycheck stopped a few days ago. uh, Sorry, when the paycheck stopped for a few days during the sequestration of early 2019. I've talked about this before. WFO Washington field office set up a canned food donation pantry in the basement of the uh, of the field office. And they sent endless welfare checkup emails to employees. That was only one pay period. I'm now clearing my second, or clearing the second. And all I got was a hollow, quote unquote, familia emails to my whole division. Some family y'all are. I'm fine, by the way. And then I put parenthetically, not that the FBI family, which I put in quotes, uh, cares about people who work for this agency, but I might as well fill my days with some fu- something financially productive. Just looking for a straightforward answer about what, if any, progressive discipline I can look forward to. I also don't have any forum to notify anyone, but I'm a plaintiff by pseudonym suing the Attorney General Merrick Garland in his official role in the Middle District of Florida over all of this nonsense. I'll consider this to be appropriate notice. Generally speaking, if you're in the FBI and you're part of a, a lawsuit, then you have to uh, notify the Bureau in some way. Um, usually it's if like somebody is actually suing you or if you're doing something civilly, but uh, whatever. I just told them. And I, I made some other... Um, questions about how they wanted to be notified and they didn't really have a good answer. We have a system that's called ePass. So this is what I, I referenced there. EPASS is like a it's a general submission that goes back and forth between headquarters and um and field agents and, and field employees that are trying to, you know, communicate something. So I wrote I would put it in epass but I've been told not to show up in the office. Uh I believe Friday is a reasonable time frame to hear back from you all about my status. I've been patient and I've given you all a solid month to do whatever it is you do. Thanks, and happy President's Day, Kyle Serafin. And then I included literally the, the thing that I quoted from, which is the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force. So well, what is the point of all of this uh, silliness? Because this is kind of silliness. I wanted you to understand that this document, which I found in a few seconds looking through the hundreds of pages, this is part five um, of what they're sending me for their uh, investigation. The, uh, <laughs> the, the FBI found no evidence of discrimination based on... My allegations, none. I was not discriminated against. There's no reason to believe that. And yet, I have just clearly told them, which they could easily find, that number one, you can't require people to take emergency youth authorization uh, medical products or biologicals or drugs. That's part of the law. It's black letter law. It's really straightforward. And as far as I can tell, it was actually adjudicated in 2003. Um, This was regarding the the, uh, anthrax vaccines that the army was involved in. Um, The attorney who was representing me in Florida... Actually, won in that that court case, and a number of uh, members of the Navy and the Army who were uh, unfairly required uh, and and I think suffered disciplinary consequences for not taking uh, emergency youth authorization drugs, biologicals, or devices um, were in fact reinstated. I'll have to double check on all this stuff though, but it's been a little while. It's been like over a year since I read all this stuff. Um, but that was my that was my memory from the time. My whole point is is that. The agency can already tell, like they literally documented to themselves that they have probably like, I don't think you can show up for work and not be paid for work, like complete the day when a supervisor is there and then them just say, we're pulling your paycheck. So all this stuff is absurd. Um, it's all pretty obvious because they knew the name and I know the name of the employee who had exactly the same scenario that I did and just simply wasn't. He said he would take the, uh, the COVID tests and he took some of them and then he stopped. I said I never would, and I and I held my word. So that's the only difference, and that resulted in what a ridiculous, silly situation that I found myself in today. It's now uh, you know middle of January or first two weeks of January, and I'm a year away from this stuff, and it still makes me angry because it's so stupid. They were complaining about their workload. They're complaining about oh you know we have so much work and Seraphin's not showing up and it's causing me a problem. No no no. I showed up and I was sent home because I was not ready for work without taking an experimental test. It's legitimately under, under law. That test is experimental. And by the way, I never had COVID all the way through 2022 until after I started selling my house and moving off and I'd been suspended and I had all kinds of like other crazy stuff happen and I ran my body down. I literally moved every single thing that I owned into a storage unit and then drove all the way across the country and then got on a plane and flew all the way across the country back um, and then did this uh, interview that some of you have seen with Dan Bongino. Like that was fairly stressful. That led me to have a little bit of a a health breakdown. Uh, Obviously, I'm still sitting here, so I lived through it. I didn't pass it to anybody that I could tell. And, um, and it, you know, it sucks, but I never had COVID while I was working on or off duty or while I was AWOL, um, insane, truly insane. I just wanted to be very transparent about the, the receipts that I'm going to be bringing to you. I'll probably share some more of this stuff cause it's so goofy, but, uh, there's like hundreds of pages I'm going to have to read. We're probably going to have to do some fun stuff where we share the, uh, the emails or, or the interviews that they did of the, uh, the supervisors over me. I'm sure they're very polished, but, um. Yeah, it's just it's clown world. That's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a group of people that went and tried to push a compliance mandate on somebody um, with no authority to do so. And by the way, when the when our lawsuit, because I helped fund one of the lawsuits that uh, the Feds for Medical Freedom team did, they did one down. Um, it's through a. I can't remember what the name of the, the agency is, but it was in the Southern District of Texas. It went through Galveston. It's now in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. It's uh, pending an bank review and should be released any day now. But, um, you know, that's where the injunction is for all federal employees who don't have to get COVID shots because of this injunction. Um, <laughs> once once that went into effect, the FBI stopped processing religious accommodations because they said, well, it was it was moot until the courts settled it. But they still said we had to test. And uh, which I didn't do, obviously, but they still had to. We, they said we had to test. And why do we have to test? Because the authorities that required us to test were not from the, e, from the EO, not from 14043 under Joe Biden. Um, they were from, quote, other other authorities derived with the position or the office of the director of the FBI. That's what they claimed, that the FBI director could tell us that we had to test because he wanted us to. And that's not discriminatory. Sure, yeah. So that's the world we're living in, folks. Uh, I know you. Many of you know this. I know that many of you are aware of it. I know many of you have suffered under these types of policies. This is the kind of tyranny that was the uh, like a like an absolute hard red line, and I would refuse to cross it. As I as I mentioned to them in several emails, it wasn't going to happen. And uh, I think it's quite funny actually that they they quoted me because uh, of course I said that, and of course I said that I wasn't going to do it, and then I didn't. Like good, you know, good whatever. He caught me saying the thing that I believe. Uh, that's just how that works. So, um, until next time, sorry, this is kind of a weird supplemental one. Uh, listen to our email. If you, I mean, listen to our, um, our podcast that we did, uh, with George Hill. Um, I think that's really powerful stuff. If you're just listening to this, cause it's short, George Hill, check out his uh, long form interview. We did two hours of, of talking. And of course I found after the fact that I had two microphones on in my room, not one. So it's a little echoey and I apologize, but I will upgrade that stuff. And, uh, uh you know, enjoy, enjoy the uh, next one. We'll we'll put the sucker out pretty soon. Um, yeah. What a a day, what a time to be an American when you know that simply telling somebody in a, in a federal law enforcement office, uh, what the federal law says and what you're willing to do. And then they don't even have the, you know, the cojones to kind of like stone up and, and throw you out. Like, like I said, none of this stuff went anywhere. This stuff is all part of my equal opportunity employment complaint. Like it somehow says something, but what it shows is, is that they were discriminatory on its face. It's totally absurd. Like, I'm just going to submit this to a judge. Like, go look at that. And why do I have to go to a judge? Why can't I go to a jury of my peers? They can look at it and say, you know what? Um, we still wanted to get the COVID shots, but, uh, you know, guys got a point. You were discriminating against him. Uh, it is what it is. Anyway, I'll share some of the other funny emails because I I sent a couple of pretty sassy... Pretty charged up emails. They were all polite and semi-professional, but they they kind of follow this tone. It's like if you're going to be clowns, I'm going to treat you like clowns. So that's what it is. Thanks so much for listening to the Kyle Seraphin show. I am Kyle Seraphin. Feel free to like, subscribe, share this stuff if you think it's good, if it's interesting, if it's funny to you, uh, if it shows you sort of the type of uh, fraud and abuse. This is the clownery of the FBI. I'm going to continue to share that stuff with you in the future. So uh, feel free to tune into our podcast for that. And um, if you are not following. Me on Twitter, it's at Kyle Seraphine. That's K Y L E. S like Sierra, E R A. P like Papa, H I N like November. Check that out. Um, I put out a lot of this stuff. I put out a lot of these documents in hard form uh, on Twitter. So uh, I'm also on True Social with the exact same handle that's kind of fallen off just a little bit because there's a lot of engagement right now on Twitter. But yeah, anyway, thanks so much for listening to the Kyle Seraphin show. I, I appreciate it. And I will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Seraphin show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and truth at Kyle Seraphim.